Welcome to this week's episode of Inside the Nest, the official podcast of Kennesaw State Athletics. I am your host, Jordan Griffith. Not Nolan Alexander. We pulled the Texas switch on you guys this week. I will be filling in for him for the next two weeks as he is out getting some well-deserved rest, but a different host, same great content. Inside the Nest is brought to you by Fifth Third Bank. Fifth Third Bank. This is fandom of Fifth Third Better. Visit 53.com for more information. And a jam-packed episode here on Inside the Nest this week. We're going to start off this week's podcast with a preview of baseball over this weekend for the Owls. They go down to Jacksonville in the A-Sun Conference Tournament. Nolan Alexander and Mateen Rad are going to talk about the other teams that Kennesaw State could possibly play. Also, make sure to stay tuned for Taylor Cates in the later half of the episode. She talked to me this morning about the wrap-up of the softball season, as well as the team's reaction getting into the Tallahassee Regional and much more. So stay tuned for that. Without further ado, Nolan Alexander and Mattine Rad. All right, we're joined by Mattine Rad getting set for the A-Sun Baseball Final Four, hosted by the University of North Florida in Jacksonville this weekend. And Mateen, the Owls did what the promo video said. They wanted to get this crap behind us. And did they do that with exclamation points over the weekend? You saw both games blowouts of Lipscomb. And this looks like a team that turned the light on at the right time, right? Absolutely. You know, keep in mind, Lipscomb was a depleted team this weekend. A lot of notable absences from them. But you couldn't have asked for more from every single aspect of KSU's play whether it be the pitching of Jake Rice, Ryan Kennedy, both days picking up the wins for Ryan, his eighth of the season, for Jake, his ninth of the season. Tremendous, tremendous job by both pitchers, by relievers in both games. And then, of course, the bats just going completely off. But someone who I think really shone this weekend was Jake Coro. Jake Coro has been batting in the ninth slot and – he went completely off, had a three-run shot in the first game. On the weekend, in total, he had five RBIs. What did that seem to do for the lineup with that kind of production out of the nine hole? It, it just goes ahead and, and, and flows from bottom to top. When you have someone like Jake who can round out the bottom of the lineup, and then you look at the top of the lineup again with someone like Jesse Sherrill, who can lay down a bunt and get on base with ease, you look at someone who's in the second slot, like Tyler Tolvey, who is leading the A-Sun with 49 RBI. No matter what, you look at this lineup, this, this team can beat you in so many different ways. What else stood out in that Lipscomb series to you? Like I said before, the starters have been immaculate all season. When you have, when you bring in someone who is, a legitimate perspective MLB starter in, or excuse me, MLB player in the future in Jake Rice. And you have already Ryan Kennedy and Luke Torbert who have made tremendous leaps and bounds in their play from last season. Their top and bottom, whether it be Friday starter, Saturday starter, Sunday starter, this team can shove. And you were around the team capturing content for social media leading up to the quarterfinals against Lipscomb. What was the vibe you got from the team? Was this something that 
you felt like was kind of building up and, and happening or did this catch you by surprise this weekend? No, I don't think there's, there's anything to be surprised about. I think being around the team all season, the one thing you keep hearing is the main goal is to win. The main goal is to win. And I asked Tyler Tolvey a couple of weeks ago, I said, are you gonna, guys going to be disappointed if the expectation is there for us to win and, and it doesn't happen? And he said, absolutely. And you could see the passion in every single person on the team. And then you look at the veteran core. You look at someone like Garrett Hodges, who, in my opinion, is the de facto captain of the team. And he's been helping the team will their way all season long. Let's discuss that veteran core as we look ahead now to the A-Sun Final Four. The Owls take on the host North Florida Ospreys Thursday at 3 p.m. at UNF. I kind of feel like for as good as the starting pitching has been, this is kind of you go as we go. When when you look at the likes of, of a Hodges, a Carballo, and a Norman, for as good as everyone else has been on the lineup, the production out of those veteran guys in the middle of that lineup, I think, in my opinion, can make or break what happens in Jacksonville this week. Look, Nolan, we've talked about it this season before. Last season, after last season, those three guys, that veteran outfield, had a huge decision to make. They could have, you know, gone on to the next step of their lives, of their careers, and, and have had no problem doing it. But they felt like there was something, there was unfinished business. So these guys come back, and they've been getting work done. The three of them combined 21 total homers this season, 98 total RBIs. And they just set the precedent for everyone else in the team. When you see these three guys who perform consistently and they have done for the last three years that they've all been here together, you know, obviously Garrett Hodges and Terrence Norman are five-year veterans of this team. Alex Carbio coming a little bit later. These three guys, they know the game, they know how to win and they know what it takes to win. So if these guys perform well, you better believe we're going far in this tournament. Well, one thing that affects every single team is health. And did it right here. You heard it. Knock on wood. This team looks to be pretty healthy going into the final four. Absolutely. You know, I think the big question mark was Jesse Sherrill, who I think has been dealing with some foot problems in and out, but he comes back for Lipscomb. And what does he do in his first at bat back up, he hits a triple to left center. I think that foot's in pretty good shape if you're hitting the triple and making it pretty easily. Uh, that, that would be good. That would be a good lit- litmus test. Today tastes like movie night. Okay, whose turn is it to choose? And everyone's favorite hit, pizza and Coke. Today tastes like front row seats for all. Like cushions and popcorn. And counting the seconds. Pizza's here. Today tastes like a slice of the action. Hey, hit the light. Like we belong here and now. <laughs> and it never tasted this good. Coca-Cola. Together tastes better. At Fifth Third Bank, we hold ourselves to a higher standard. Just look at our name, Fifth Third. 
five-thirds equals 166.7%. So, according to the laws of mathematics, we are obligated to put 166.7% into everything we do. From our great customer service, to our security solutions, to providing you access to over 45,000 fee-free ATMs nationwide. This is banking a fifth-third better. Learn more at 53.com. Fifth Third Bank, member FDIC. You are listening to Inside the Nest. Nolan and Martin talking about Kennesaw State right now, their strengths going into this game, having those two big-time wins against Lipscomb where they just were not messing around. And right now, these guys about to dive into the other teams that Kennesaw State has the chance to play and maybe might face Liberty again if they are able to advance to the final. We'll see, but let's let Nolan and Martin talk about that. Let's look at the field for the final four starting in Jacksonville, Kennesaw State, UNF get underway Thursday at 3 p.m. in a double elimination bracket. So similar to ASUN tournaments of the past, just now instead of there being six, eight teams, now it's down to four. The Ospreys come in as now the best seed. I hate using the term high and low seeds because I think it's confusing, but the best seed out of the ASUN South Division after Jacksonville upset UNF. Obviously, for UNF, they have home field advantage. They know this park very well. This is an Osprey team that, unlike in seasons past in the A-Sun with the new division format, Kennesaw State has not seen UNF. What does UNF bring to the table this week? Look, North Florida has played second fiddle in that division to, to Gulf Coast all season long. But don't get it confused. Now Gulf Coast are out. They're the top dog in this division and they're going to seem like it when you play against them. They're truly dangerous on both sides of the diamond. With the Ospreys, you're going to see one of the best pure hitters in the conference, and Alex Cashler. We're talking about a guy who has the second best batting average on base percentage. He has the fourth best slugging rate in the ASUN. This guy is going to be a really, really tough out. And pitching-wise, they're dangerous too. You're going to see either Austin Bogart or Tony Roca. They both sport two of the top 10 ERAs in the conference. And what makes them so dangerous against the Owls is they're both left-handed. Having two of your top pitchers be left-handed against the Owls is an extremely big advantage for them because the Owls are mostly a left-handed dominant lineup. That's an interesting point and something we're going to have to keep on the lookout for Thursday. So the other teams in the field, Liberty also out of the North Division. And then, as we said, Jacksonville upset FGCU. Those two teams will play before UNF and Kennesaw State. So the winners face off, and then the losers have to climb out of the loser's bracket. Let's start with the best seed out of the North Division, the Liberty Flames. We know Liberty had to play them six times towards the end of the season. For those that are a little unaware of what the Flames bring to the table, what's Liberty been headlined by this spring? Yeah, as you said, Nolan, they're the one team that we're really familiar with going into this tournament. So we know what to expect with this team. And to be honest, we expect them to be really, really good. They hit everything extremely hard. They've got the eighth best uh, amount of doubles in Division One baseball. Uh, they have, I think, five or six guys who are hitting 300 plus. Uh, they're smart on the base pass. And as good as they are offensively, somehow they manage to be even better defensively. Defensively, they're pristine. They have the second best fielding percentage in the country. Get this, Nolan. This shocked me. A team that as a whole 
has a 0.985 fielding percentage on the whole season to me is remarkable. That means they're really good or they have a very generous score at home. (laughs) (laughs) From what I've seen, they only have about 26 errors, I believe on the season. And it's easy to perform behind three of the best pitchers in the A-Sun, all with seven or more wins. They're the de facto favorites heading into Jacksonville. It's got to be said. We know you're concerned for your health, but rest assured, we are here for you. Our hospitals, health parks, and offices are open and taking every safety precaution so you can get the care you need. Wellstar, more than healthcare, people care. As a reminder, if you are enjoying this episode of Inside the Nest, please remember to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms, rate this, or comment underneath. This is Nolan and Martin finishing up some baseball talk here for Kennesaw State Athletics. Well, heading into Jacksonville, taking on the crosstown rivals of North Florida, the Jacksonville Dolphins, a team that something you always want to do going into the postseason is you want to be playing your best ball, no matter what sport it is. And right now, Jacksonville is a team that got off to an extremely slow start, but it seemed to turn it around, went down to Fort Myers, defeated the Eagles of FGCU two out of three, including uh, a 17 to one thrashing of FGCU on Sunday to reach the final four. So you have a Liberty team, which has had sustained success the entire season against probably the hottest team in the A Sun right now, JU. But Jacksonville, you know, they're the Cinderella story, arguably. For them, expect the unexpected. This team went 13 and 32, had the least amount of conference wins in the conference all season long. So what do they do? As you said, they win 17-1 against the best team in the Florida division, FGCU, to advance to the next round. And something that interests me about that win is this is not a power team. You know, as we see Kennesaw State, Liberty, even North Florida, they're the teams that hit bombs. 12 of the 17 runs that Jacksonville scored against FGCU were off of base hits. Two RBI singles, one RBI singles. Underestimating this team is exactly what the Dolphins want you to do. So make sure they just don't catch you sleeping. And it'll be interesting to see how that approach for Jacksonville and everyone's approach too uh, happens at UNF. That's a ballpark that's smaller than I think even what we have the dimensions here at Stillwell. I know it's smaller than Session Stadium at, at JU. So that ball tends to fly, especially out to left field down at UNF. So I think we'll probably see uh, higher power numbers all around. Now I say that and we'll just have one nothing ball games across the entire tournament, but I think that'll be interesting. So going off of that, I want, I want your predictions. Okay. If Kennesaw state wins the a sun championship, who is the MVP of KSU's final four run? And who do you think would be the top pitcher the most valuable pitcher in addition to a position player as an MVP what's your pick I think if you're looking at an MVP someone who's performed all season long is Alex Carballo and he's been our toughest out in the lineup all season and he's going to need to continue to be that in terms of walks he's our most walked batter in terms of on base percentage OPS this guy is so tough to get out And he's so patient at the plate and he waits until he gets that pitch. 
And he has the ability to turn on it too. I mean, six home runs on the season. He just hit a, a solo shot last Tuesday against Wofford in the final game of the regular season. So this is a guy who, who I've said before, he has it all. He has a great glove, has a great bat, has that, that IQ, that love of the game. So I think he's going to be a really good performer for us this weekend. And then top pitcher, I think, is an even tougher question. I think you look at Jake Rice, you look at Ryan Kennedy. These are guys that get talked about because they're top five winningest pitchers in the conference. Jake Rice, obviously, in the teens of best ERAs in the nation. But someone who I'm going to give a little bit of shine is Jared Ryan. And he has been tremendous all season long, coming in, getting th three inning saves consistently, uh, pitching around entire lineups consistently. In terms of having someone to come out of the bullpen that is reliable, that can eat innings, that can keep you in a game, I don't think there's anyone who embodies that more in the KSU bullpen than Jared Ryan. Okay, so I'm going to go in reverse order and retweet what you said about Jared Ryan because I think to win in the postseason, especially in a double elimination tournament, you've got to have a guy out of the bullpen that can go either three games in a row or two out of two out of four games, or th excuse me, three out of four games in there. And I think Ryan's that type of guy where he can come in, you get a two three inning save, you come back the next day, you pitch one or two key innings in the seventh and eighth. And then if it's the third or the fourth game, no matter where you fall in there, you can come back and you can shove for three innings. Finding ways, one, as a starting pitching staff to shorten the bullpen, which the KSU staff has done a great job, and then allowing Ryan to be a more frequent pitcher in those other games, I think that sets up KSU for success. And so for that, I think Ryan will have an impact in multiple games. That's my pick for the most valuable pitcher. Now, position player? I'm going to go with a guy who in watching KSU this year, for, for whatever reason, it's been the games that I've gone to. He's had a knack for the big time hit Tyler Simon. That, that's going to be my pick. I think for teams to win a conference tournament, many times there is a guy in the lineup that has his best baseball all season long. And sometimes it's expected. Sometimes it's not. And I think for KSU to win the A-Sun tournament, we talked about that veteran core, that outfield core performing well. I think that has to happen. And we mentioned the spots. Tolvi uh, topped the leaderboard in RBIs. What Coro did this past weekend, Cheryl coming back in his speed. But I think in there, sometimes Simon's forgotten about, and he's had that clutch gene at times this year. So that's my pick is Tyler Simon. I like your pick as well for Carvalho. I think this lineup is hitting really well over the past weekend. I hope we see more of that than what the Owls had after the Georgia Tech series and they were on a bit of a slide. So hopefully KSU is playing its best baseball. Mateen Rad, thanks for joining us on Inside the Nest, giving us the scoop on KSU baseball from this past weekend and doing an excellent job previewing the Final Four. We appreciate it. An absolute pleasure as always, Nolan. And that was Nolan Alexander and Mateen Rad. Great job by those guys as always. Nolan making a celebrity guest appearance. That's right. I said guest appearance because I'm running the show now. I'm just kidding. Can't wait till he gets a hold of this and hears that. Now with a smooth transition over to softball, 
This softball team making history this year. They win their very first NCAA regional. They defeated Auburn 1-0 in game one. They're in the Tallahassee regional. Melanie Bennett pitched a gym, getting her 20th win of the season, going all seven innings, didn't allow a single run, and only one hit allowed. Now, the Owls would go on to lose to UCF the next day, ending their season. They ended at a perfect 27-27, and so a 500 record. But I think we can all say that this team was much better than that record. And they went out there in regionals, and they proved that they can play with the best of the best. They made a lot of players proud, a lot of students proud here at Kennesaw State. So it season may be over now for this softball team, but they had one heck of a run. We have Taylor Cates coming up here, a softball interview. Love the way that she talked about the team, the, the adversity that they fought this year. She talks about getting into regionals as well as playing such a tough schedule this year for this softball team. So this is Taylor Cates here for Inside the Nest. All right, Taylor, thank you so much for joining me here today. So my first question, now that the season is officially over, how do you feel overall this team performed this year? Um, I think, I mean, I think we performed well. We definitely had ups and downs throughout the season. I mean, we played a really tough schedule, but overall, I mean, we got to where we wanted to be. We went it to regionals. Um, I mean, whether that was winning conference or not, like we made it to the next step. So, I mean, overall, I think we performed, I think we came together. I think we performed the best that we could and um, it was fun. I mean, it was really fun being there. Yeah, and talking about regionals, you guys, what was your kind of reaction when you were able to see your name on that screen when you guys had that kind of opening night looking at the screen knowing that you're going to be in regionals? So we gathered up in Teasley just as like a little watch party, like, cause we knew there was a slim chance that we didn't, we really honestly weren't expecting anything. And then the Tallahassee regional popped up um, and it said Florida State. And then I was, I was thinking, I was talking to my teammates. I was like, if we make it into any of them, this would be the one. And sure enough, like before I even know it, our name is on the screen and I look around and everybody's going crazy. Like, no, it was not expected. Like, um, it was a really cool thing just to see our name up on that screen and like know that, I mean, we did everything that we could and still made it. You guys, like you were saying, played a tough schedule and almost you guys played, I believe, almost everyone in that bracket in the Tallahassee Regional. Going to the end of the season, in the postseason, how did playing a tough schedule throughout the regular season help you guys? Um, I think playing the tough schedule really did help. Um, I mean, it's it helped more. It helped a lot when we went because we played a lot of those teams before we started conference. So we played those teams, and it was like we were ready for conference because we've already faced those tougher teams. Um, so it was kind of, I mean, it did help in conference, I think. And then, I mean, it was nice going into regionals. We've already played them all. We already knew kind of what to expect. So kind of, I mean, we didn't have, we didn't go in there with a shock that we didn't know anyone. So, I mean, that was fun too, to play them all again. Right. And again, talking about the tough schedule, you guys played a lot of really good teams this year. Maybe in your opinion, mm -hmm. it might be tough to pick one out, but of the teams that you guys faced, which team stood out to you as the best team this year? The team that probably stood out to me, mm, I mean, Florida, we played Florida and that was just unreal. Just the whole, the whole thing, but they're very good ball club. Um, FSU is a great team. They don't, I mean, they're always, they always fight to the very end. So, I mean, you gotta, you gotta play a clean game against them for sure. I mean, those two teams off the top of my head, um, very good, but I mean, they're all, I mean, they're all good. 
they all, I mean, they're most of them are ranked. I mean, they're very good. Also something that might be hard for you to pick just one, but what is one of your favorite moments, favorite play game or any of that kind of this year? Hmm. The most, I mean, the most recent one I can think is probably the home run I had against uh, Liberty to tie it up in the conference championship game. Um, that was pretty emotional for everyone. That's probably the one that stands out the most. It's the most recent. Last question for you. Going into your senior year, what is this offseason going to look like for you? Um, this offseason just is going to involve a lot of just work, just putting in uh, work and fielding, hitting, as, all, every aspect of the game, and then just really going into the fall, uh, getting that team chemistry back is going to be um, a big a big thing for us, I think, just working as a team. I mean, the, be the biggest thing for us is to gel like we did this year, so um, gel as a team. So that's probably, that's going to be one of the main goals is just always staying positive and just clicking as a team to carry into the season. Thank you for listening to Inside the Nest and a big thank you to everyone participating today, Nolan, Martin, and Taylor as well. If you want to keep up with baseball this weekend, go to ksuals.com under the schedules tab. They will have ways to watch, keep live stats, as well as just keep up with this baseball team in a playoff series this weekend. I certainly have enjoyed my first time as a host here on Inside the Nest. I hope you guys have enjoyed it as well. That is going to be it here for episode number 82 in the books. And for Inside the Nest, I am Jordan Griffith. Go Owls!